The first week of free agency is coming to a close. So how has it impacted the 2023 NFL Draft? Well, that's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome into the Friday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schuber back with you here once again on the show. Hope everyone's having a great Friday, a close to the week, the weekend right around the corner. And free agency, it started on Monday with the free agent negotiation window officially became official on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So we'll close the book on the first week of free agency and ask the age-old question, how did free agency impact the way the NFL draft is going to take place in a month from now? We're just going to look a focus on the top 10 teams and how how those teams' free agencies could impact the way things go down next April in Kansas City. But before we do that, got to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, who remain your number one source for all of your sports betting this season. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. And all you have to do is head over to their website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit just make sure to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your rewards bet online where the game starts and yes all 32 teams have been active in free agency all 32 teams are making adjustments to make their teams better for the 2023 season but when we look at it from the lens of the nfl draft It is those first 10 teams that really have the biggest say in the way this draft goes. They are the teams that can start a run on the quarterback position. They are the teams that could start the fall for a player who was firmly entrenched into the top 10. And then if they fall out of the top 10, what that does to other players on the board. They are the teams, I think, concentrated in power that have all of the say in the NFL draft. So we are going to look at free agency through that lens today here on the show, looking at those teams picking inside the top 10 and how their free agency, how the moves they have made and maybe haven't made, the players they've brought in, the players they have lost, looking at it from that lens of how it could potentially impact their team needs and how that could impact the 2023 NFL draft at large. So we start with the Carolina Panthers who are picking at number one and I have their uh, free agency list in front of me, the guys that they have brought in. But the big thing is, is the thing that they did ahead of free agency is they traded up to that number one spot. They are picking number one overall. And we look at their team needs. I think we all squarely look at the quarterback position. And so I'm not going to wait waste too much time here talking about the Carolina Panthers. I think you saw it in the way that they went out and signed Andy Dalton to a two-year, $10 million contract. Basically going to Andy and saying, you're our bridge guy. You're our veteran backup presence that we want in our building when we draft a quarterback number one overall. So their free agency remains unchanged in how they're going to approach the draft. They probably needed a tight end. They got Hayden Hurst, so probably adjusts what they could do in later rounds. They bring in Von Bell. They've been very active. Shy Tuttle. They've brought in players. Bradley Bozeman, three-year, $18 million deal. So again, a well-rounded group for the Carolina Panthers. But looking at it through the lens of the NFL draft, not much has changed here. And maybe that's a theme that we're going to see throughout this, that teams haven't changed much, but that's why we'll do the exercise. That's why we will lay this out. And I think there are a couple of teams that could see their needs adjust just a little bit based on the way that they've conducted themselves so far in free agency. So the Carolina Panthers at number one, a team relatively unchanged in that regard. We go to the Houston Texans firmly right now in that number two spot, and it's been a similar story to the Carolina Panthers. There are moves that you like trading for Shaq Mason from the Bucks 
uh, getting Robert Woods in free agency. But then again, Case Keenum comes in on a two-year $6.25 million deal to be the backup quarterback, to be that bridge guy. Again, making it very clear to everybody, despite my uh, shouting from the mountaintops, shouting from the rooftops to the contrary to not do this, to not take a quarterback at number two, it certainly does feel like the Houston Texans, with the way that they're attacking free agency, the way they attack to bringing in uh, another quarterback into the building, that they are firmly in, in camp of uh, taking a quarterback at number two. So again, number one, number two, we feel relatively unchanged in that regard. Now, the Arizona Cardinals, a team picking at number three, at least for the moment, a team that doesn't have those quarterback needs, uh, needs a team that right now feels pretty wide open in the way that they're approaching uh, the draft and the way they're approaching their needs. And guess what? Their free agency makes me feel that that is still the case. They bring back Kelvin Beecham. They bring back Will Hernandez. They bring back Matt Prater. They go out and sign Kaiser White to a two-year deal from Philadelphia. Zeke Turner comes in on a one-year deal. And so bringing back pieces that they already had in the building, some moves on the margin, a short-term deal for Kaiser White to help the linebacker group. They, Matt Prater comes in to be their you know kicker. Okay, not a lot going on here in terms of spending dollars elsewhere, making trades to acquire players, doing the things to make their roster better, so keeping their options completely wide open. So again, when we talk about how this impacts the draft, their free agency has kept them right on the same course that we thought they were going to be uh, entering this process. So one, two, and three unchanged. You're going to see a familiar theme here when we go to number four with the Indianapolis Colts because they followed a very similar model to what we saw Carolina do and what we saw Houston do in terms of acquiring a quarterback Gardner Minshew on a one-year 3.5 million dollar deal again that's the way they're choosing to approach the quarterback position they are releasing Matt Ryan or planning to release Matt Ryan okay the tea leaves are very clearly there that they're going to take a quarterback at four or they may jump up even to the number three spot to really make sure that they box anybody else out from jumping in front of them so we look at this so far one two three and four feel relatively unchanged in regard to the major team needs that we associate associated with those teams in the first round again Carolina has other team needs besides quarterback but when just focusing this in on the first round and the first round implications that could be had here I look at the first four and I feel relatively unchanged in the way that these teams are still going to approach the draft and I just noticed something that I want to share with you here I spend a lot of time on tankathon.com looking at the records looking at the border looking at the order to see maybe where um Different, you know, players could fall in their ranges and stuff like that. I, it's probably been there the whole time because I've been so laser focused in the order. I am seeing here that there is a countdown that is ticking away to the draft, and it tells me that as of the recording of this show, we are 41 days, six hours, 23 minutes, 43, 42 seconds away from the NFL draft. That's fun. Did notice that until just this moment. Wanted to pass along that live reaction to you that we are just 41 days away from the NFL draft. The number five team, the Seattle Seahawks. They they have that pick uh, via the trade. Oh, with uh, the Denver Broncos for Russell Wilson. And again, I think the big thing here that could have potentially impact what they did is they went out and they signed Geno Smith to a three-year, $75 million uh contract. Uh, it's got some guarantee money up front. I think it's like $27 million in guarantees for Geno Smith. Does it preclude them from taking a quarterback at number five? No, it doesn't preclude them from doing so. Again, I don't think Geno Smith is going to be, be paid that much to be a backup quarterback and that kind of money on that deal. So again, I think if we were talking about the Seattle Seahawks being one of those teams that was potentially interested in the quarterback conversation for this, this year's draft, at least at pick number five, that doesn't feel like something uh, that is probably going to be high their priority list. The other team needs, according to uh, our team needs over at thedraftnetwork.com, interior offensive line edge and interior defensive line. So let's compare that with what they did. Well, on the interior defensive line, Draymond Jones, Jaron Reed, both in the building now. 
Okay, that's a focus on the interior. So maybe you don't feel uh, a big a big need in that regard. They sign uh, Phil Haynes' guard, center guard Evan Brown gets a year. Uh, so these are two players that they've brought into the building. So I look at this and I say that if we were going to adjust this a little bit, I think I would firmly put atop their list for next season for the draft in a month that they are going to look at edge players and then probably after that interior offensive line players. But again, how many interior offensive linemen are we going to talk going inside the top five? So I think this squarely puts them in the conversation to take an edge player, whether it's Tyree Wilson, whether it's Will Anderson, if he falls. I mean, those are the types of players that could potentially be available for them at number five. It feels pretty likely that three quarterbacks are going to go in the first four picks. So one of the two top edge rushers are going to be there for the Seattle Seahawks at number five. So you feel pretty confidently in that. So I think for me going forward in my mock drafts, um, I don't know which edge it's going to be, but I feel pretty confident that edge is going to be a position for them. At number six, the Detroit Lions are here on the board. And so I have to scroll up here on the tracker uh, from, from S for Seattle up to D for Detroit. So it takes me a little bit to get here. But again, a a offseason so far that feels very Detroit-esque. It, fe- it feels very similar to what we uh, have seen them do uh, in years past with the way they're, they're building this team. Cam Sutton gets a three-year, $33 million deal. I think corner's been a, a, a need that has been talked about for them. Does this preclude them from taking a corner? No, absolutely not. Need need one, two, probably even three top-end corners uh, in this league. So signing Cam Sutton absolutely doesn't do anything uh, to stop them in that regard. They bring in Dave Montgomery, three years, $18 million. They have, could potentially have been a B. John Robinson spot. I don't think I'm going to allow David Montgomery to stop me from drafting B. John Robinson if that's something that I'm interested in. But I do think we would pump the brakes on that with their first pick. I think if B. John fell to them with their second pick, we would probably explore that as a as a big-time option uh, for them, a, at least a more uh, available option. But according to our needs, wide receiver and linebacker and corner are the primary needs for the Detroit Lions. And so I think wide receiver still atop that list for them. Uh, I think linebacker probably still atop that list for them. I know they signed Alex Anzalone to a three-year $18.8 million deal. But again, those two those two conversations and then the corner. Yes, they signed Cam Sutton. Yes, they invested capital on that. But again, I don't think it absolutely locks them out from doing anything in that regard. The Las Vegas Raiders at number seven. Now, this is one that is very interesting to me. So according to uh, the DraftNetwork.com's team needs, we've got right tackle, interior D-line, interior O-line corner. So we've got the interior and the right tackle, so four parts of the offensive line. We need a corner, and we need an interior defensive line. Yet, we've been talking about the Las Vegas Raiders as a potential spot for a quarterback. And maybe this is a bit of a leap on my part. Maybe this is me going, uh, and I'm sure I will get the tweets and and, and hear your guys' response to this. But I think signing Jimmy Garoppolo to that contract, which really kind of locks them in for two seasons. Three years, $67.5 million for Jimmy G. Signed Jacoby Myers to a three-year deal to give him a a weapon in that regard. Again, they traded Darren Waller to add another pick, so you probably would add tight end as probably a secondary need for them. But I look at this. And I think I'm ready to take them out of being in the mix for quarterback at number seven. I really am. I think they are going to roll with one season for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and then maybe next next year, when it's the second year of Jimmy G, you know you can get after the contract at the end of the year, that that's in a better quarterback class overall. I think that's where they will entertain the idea. Because again, you draft a rookie quarterback at number seven after you just brought in Jimmy G and you're going to pay him money. The expectation there is going to be that this kid's going to play right away. And if that's the case, then why did you sign Jimmy G? Again, I think they're going to give a, run, a runway with Jimmy G. But I think after that, I think the 2024 draft is where you're going to start to see the Raiders be linked to quarterbacks a little bit uh, closer. And so then we pivot to right tackle, interior offensive line, interior defensive line. They signed Jerry Tillery, didn't do a ton of work on the offensive line. So I think I would firmly put them in, in the context of they could start the tackle run. They could take a Paris Johnson. 
they could take a Broderick Jones. They could take one of those guys, a Dewan Jones, a Peter Skaronsky, any of those guys. They could take one of those guys at number seven and really start that cascading effect of a run for that position group uh, at offensive linemen. So I think that's where I would lean with them right now. Uh, we go to the Atlanta Falcons at number eight, and I got to tell you folks, just in general, I think the Atlanta Falcons are having a fantastic offseason. I think they are doing a very good job of remaking their team and giving uh, Arthur Smith a chance and a team that can potentially be very, very good in a division that is open next season. Again, I think this team, uh, if they can, they, now they've got the quarterback situation that they need to figure out, right? They signed Taylor Heineke to a two-year, $20 million deal. They could potentially be in the mix with a quarterback, but it could be Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke. That could be the group. But again, they bring back Caleb McGarry. I think that's a huge uh, win for them. They uh, Jesse Bates comes in to help reshape that defense. They bring in Chris, you know, Chris Lindstrom, shore up that offensive line. David Onyemeta, uh, they trade for Jonu Smith. They sign Lorenzo Carter. I mean, this team spending dollars, spending dollars at positions of need. They're, they've got two offensive linemen in here, McGarry and Chris Lindstrom, who they were able to keep inside their building. They go out and acquire Jesse Bates to help them defensively. Again, not sure safety was going to be a pick for them uh, at, number, uh, at number eight where they are picking right now. But when we look at the Atlanta Falcons and their team needs, Interior offensive line, interior defensive line. I mean, they feel like a team that could be that could still be in the mix for both of those things. I don't know how highly you're going to take an, an interior offensive lineman. Again, you just brought back uh, Chris Lindstrom. You've got Caleb McGarry. You may want to shift to the defensive side of the ball at least a little bit to help beef that up a little bit more. But again, I wouldn't rule out a quarterback. I know they paid Taylor Heineke. I know they like Desmond Ritter. But as, as much as I was willing to rule out the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm not sure I'm ready to rule out the Atlanta Falcons. We've got two more teams to go through here. Chicago, who trades... Uh, from one to nine, and an important part of that getting DJ Moore in that trade, you, you could you could have thought that Chicago here at number nine could be one of the teams that could take a, a wide receiver and start that uh, cascading effect. But I don't know necessarily if they are going to be a team after getting DJ Moore that are going to want to double down uh, at, with pick number nine at that position. So the other big team needs that we have for them are offensive tackle, edge, and interior defensive line. Well, I think at number nine. We talked about the Raiders starting the run. If the Raiders don't start the run at offensive tackle, I think the Chicago Bears are going to start the run at offensive tackle. What the Bears have done so far uh, in free agency, uh, they bring in Tremaine Edmonds to help with that defense. Four years, $72 million. We already mentioned DJ Moore. They spent money on Nate Davis. They brought in TJ Edwards for the defense as well. So they they spent some dollars on the first couple of days of free agency to help them out a little bit. And again, you get a wide receiver at DJ Moore. You help the interior with Nate Davis, who when you pay a guy $10 million, I would assume that he would be a starter. So again, Again, you could go tackle. Um, you could go edge to help your defense a little bit. I think those would be the two buckets that I would necessarily uh, put this team into. Now, the last team, team that went to the Super Bowl last year, represented the NFC in the Super Bowl, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is a team that's very hard in general uh, to figure out what they could potentially do. And they brought back a lot of the players on defense. Darius Slay back uh, late last night. They bring in uh, Greedy Williams, James Bradbury back, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. I mean, those guys are all back. They do lose... Um, Javon Hargrave in free agency. That's obviously a big loss. But when I look at this Philadelphia Eagles team, they've got two picks in the first round. I think that absolutely is going to be at play here. But when I look at this team, could they be in the mix for a running back and take Bijan here at number 10? Yes, I certainly think they should They should consider it. But again, they bring in Rashad Penny in free agency as well. Uh, it's only a one-year deal. I'm not going to let Rashad Penny on a one-year deal stop me from um, – bringing in Bijan Robinson if he's there. Interior offensive lineman, again, not really sure 10 is going to be the spot for that. Linebacker or corner. Okay, well, I think corner's definitely in the mix here, but I would put Bijan and the corners because, again, we haven't really talked a lot about that group here so far. That is kind of the direction that I think that could go. So when, we, when looking at this, I think the first four remain relatively unchanged in the impact that they could have on the draft. 
I think the offseason that Seattle's had at five could impact things. I think the offseason, the Raiders at seven, what the Bears have been able to do in free agency and trading the number one overall pick at number nine could change things. Atlanta at number eight uh, and Philadelphia with what they've been able to bring back defensively that does kind of change things um, a little bit in that regard. So I think half of the top ten with the way that they've conducted themselves in free agency, it gives us a, a little bit more of a refined focus on what we could potentially mock for them, what we could potentially see them do next month with their first um, round selections in Kansas City. But again, a lot can still change. Some players can still move. There are still some some free agents out there that could ultimately change things. There's still some trades to be made as well. So there's still a lot of activity uh, that can be done. So, But I thought it would be interesting to look at free agency through the lens of what these teams have done so far and how inside the top 10 that could impact the way that the board falls. And again, I think the offensive linemen uh, in particular in the corners could potentially two groups who shift down a little bit down this board um, because of the way uh, some teams have addressed their needs in free agency. What a fun week we've had here on the show. All the free agency, um, the drama, the Aaron Rodgers drama, uh, doing this show today. Just a lot of craziness, and it is that time of year in the NFL uh, with the offseason rumor cycle and the news cycle giving us a ton of things to talk about here on the show. So I appreciate you making uh, one, two, three, or all the episodes a part of your uh, listens throughout the week. We greatly do appreciate it here. Again, rating, reviewing, subscribing, that helps us out here a ton. Continue to grow the show, continue to grow the momentum. And we've got a lot of fun uh, things working behind the scenes uh, that are probably uh, I'll announce at the tail end of next week, uh, maybe in the middle of next week, depending on if some things can get back to me, but some new changes coming to the show here pretty soon that I think you're all going to really enjoy uh, to allow the show to maybe be a little bit more interactive uh, in hearing your thoughts. And so very, very excited to bring that uh, new spin on the show to you uh, pretty soon. Again, still going to be a daily show, but I got some new things cooking here uh, that I'm very excited to, to, to share with you guys here uh, sooner rather than later. Hope everybody has a great rest of their weekend. Thanks to Ben Online for their continued support of the podcast. Everybody, make it a great rest of your Friday and your weekend. I will talk to you all on Monday.